Hello and welcome to the All Things Palestinian Canadian Podcast, a project of Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East. Together we dive into the realm of what it means to be Palestinian living in Canada. We explore all aspects of Palestinian culture and art as well as history and politics to encourage Palestinian pride and engagement. Like many Palestinian Canadians, Grace Bachoon came to Canada as a young person and had to find her way in a new country with two new languages. But she never forgot her Palestinian roots. And two decades after arriving in Canada, she co-founded Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East, CJPME. In this episode, Grace joins us to talk about her Palestinian identity, her vision, and her work for Palestinian human rights and the challenges she faced along the way. My name is Rawatar. I'm the Director of Media, Campus, and Community Development at CJPME and the podcast host for today. Thanks to everyone for joining us. My very special guest today is Grace Bachoon, one of CJPME's co-founders. She has quite a varied and impressive background, which all began with a computer science degree in the 1980s from Concordia University in Montreal. This degree paved the way for her 15-year corporate career in human resources and information systems. But then she pivoted and spent 13 years founding and growing two not-for-profit organizations, CJPME and the CJPME Foundation. In 2017, she passed these organizations off to others and returned to the corporate world, where she is currently a senior leader with cross-industry experience in change management, project management, ERP system implementations, training, facilitation, coaching, and leadership development. Grace, such a pleasure to have you with us. I'm so excited to hear from you. Thanks, Noor. Well, do you want to get started? Sure, let's go. Okay, so since this is a show about Palestinians, we have to ask before we begin, where you are, where your family's from, where you grew up. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely, absolutely. So my father is from Mayafa, Mm -hmm. and my mother is from Haifa. Wow. So uh, both of them were born there. Mm-hmm. And then in 1948, as you know, over 750,000 Palestinians were expelled and they went to Lebanon. So they met in Lebanon. I was born in Lebanon. And at the age of 17, I came to Canada. Wow. And have you ever been back to Lebanon since? Yes, I went uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. For the first oh, time. For the first time. I oh went. Oh my God. Do you know what? No. I went, when I was a student, I was like, I came at 17, I went at 18, and then I went at 19. But since then, I haven't been back until four years ago. Wow. Yeah. And how was that like? It was, it was really nice. I got to walk the streets of Beirut. We had a house in East Beirut. We had a house in West Beirut. My father is Palestinian, but my father is Christian. So in East Beirut, we would be afraid to say we're Palestinians. In mm-hmm. West Beirut, we'd be afraid to say we're Christian. So um, our identity was completely like lost. We weren't yeah. sure like sort of who we were. So I got to go back, visit my schools, visit lots of my friends, visit the house uh, where I was born, where I grew up. Uh, and it's nice. It's was nice it nostalgic? to be able to go back. Uh, it was. It was. But when I think of Lebanon, unfortunately, I think a lot about the war. Yeah. Because I grew up uh, during the war, like, mm-hmm. you know, from 1975 until I left 1983. 
Yeah. Uh, so, and at that time, we were between East Beirut and West Beirut. So uh, it wasn't easy. So it's more, it's memories of war that mostly come back to me. Yeah, so it's not mainly like, you know, when people look at Lebanon, yes, they look at probably the political and economic crisis that goes on currently, but yeah. they also reminisce a lot about, you know, the, you know, it's right on the, by the sea. It's, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an old yeah. country. There's so much history there. Absolutely. That, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I got to go to Baalbek. I got to go yeah. to Juni, to Jbeil. I traveled everywhere. I How long did you me. stay there for? Uh, I stayed, I think, for 10 days, mm-hmm. 10 to 12 days. Yeah. Yeah. I nice. went everywhere, just traveled everywhere, fully enjoyed it. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you got the chance to go back again. Yeah. Um, and I know in 1983, after working very hard in your studies, you had the opportunity to come to Canada. Yeah. Now, I understand when you left Canada, your father gave you a little bit of an advice. What was it? Well, my dad told me, Grace, don't get involved in politics <laughs> and don't get involved in religion. Really? Yeah. Wow. And how, how did that go? Well, I love my dad. I uh-huh. love so much my dad. But believe it or not, I deeply got involved in <laughs> politics and in religion. Wait, and why did he tell you that? Uh, I think um, growing up in Lebanon, my father had a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was supermarket Batshun. It was pretty well known. It was in West Beirut. And we were close to all the embassies. And at the same time, as I mentioned in Beirut, like you, you, it was really hard. You wouldn't know who had control at any one time. So he was very careful not to take sides. Yeah. I always remember even um, all kinds of like, uh, like factions would come in and my dad would say to them, the store is your store, take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, it was in a way dangerous to get involved uh, in politics, and he wanted to protect his family. Yeah, like there were six kids, and mm-hmm. he wanted to protect his family. So for him, he had the image of Lebanon, of Beirut, and for Beirut, yes, to keep yourself safe, to keep your family safe. Uh, the best advice is don't get involved in politics. Yeah, and you know what? I totally understand that. Like as a Palestinian myself, who actually lived in Palestine. Your identity is very censored. Like you censor your identity in order to yeah. protect yourself. Yeah. And I grew up also thinking like that too. I felt like I can't. I couldn't say I'm Palestinian. And when I came to Canada, people are asking me where I'm from. I'm like Palestine. Like I'm too scared to say that because I'm like I don't know who's gonna react in a different way and who's gonna kind of look at me differently or judge me for my background, etc. But I mean, I do understand why you did eventually get involved with politics and religion because Canada, you feel like it's a much safer space. It's definitely not, uh, it's definitely different from the country that we came from. But not only that, it's mm-hmm. having an understanding of how much my people suffered yeah. about the continuous injustice that's going on, that I need to be proud to be a Palestinian. Mm-hmm. I had a CEO of a company one time asked me about my background. And then when I said I'm Palestinian, the answer was, oh, you're so nice. Oh. It's like, what do you mean? So imagine like the, if we are not proud enough to say we are Palestinians, mm-hmm. who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Yeah, exactly. Palestine's so going to get erased. Be, Identity is like, going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. So why should we be ashamed of who 
we are. Exactly. We should be proud of who we are. And it's unfortunate all the injustice that continues uh, to be going on. And, uh, you know, it's up to us to make people aware of that injustice for mm -hmm. it to stop. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And that's my pride and identity now. I feel so much pride saying that I'm Palestinian. And yeah. I don't care what you think. I don't care yeah. what your opinion is on I the am. topic. That's who exactly. I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I, from my understanding, your initial time in Canada wasn't easy when you first came. How did you end up choosing Concordia University? And how did you end up in computer science? I mean, I can understand that back in the day. I mean, today, nowadays, we're so invested in technology. But I can understand that back in the 90, late 90s, it would have been harder to... Yeah. Dive into a realm like that. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. I was uh, accepted into medicine in France. Mm -hmm. And then when I came here, because of the war in Lebanon, uh, I could not get accepted into medicine. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that was on my mind is I need to get into a program where I am able to sponsor seven members of my family. Wow. That's number one. Mm -hmm. So I thought, it's like, okay, I always loved math. And then I said, computer science would do it mm -hmm. because there is a promise of a job. There are more job opportunities in computer science, and I'll be able to sponsor seven members of my family. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came, I only spoke French. I don't remember, like I knew almost no English whatsoever. So it was, but the French system here in Quebec, they wanted me to redo two years of CGEP. And when I was in Lebanon, I was a top student in the baccalaureate, in all of the baccalaureate, mm -hmm. in all oh of Lebanon. God, wow. So for me, it's like it, there was no way that I would want to go and redo two years of CGEP. Yeah. So to be accepted at Concordia, they only wanted me to uh, pass the exam of TOEFL. Okay. So I took some English classes and then I passed the exam and I got accepted at Concordia. Oh my God. So, so that's why sort of... That's a beautiful story. And like yeah. the... The fact that you were also 17 years old at the time and you were responsible for kind of bringing your family also with you and you had to take, the, take them into consideration in order to build your career and your, yeah. you know, go into your studies, etc. is such a, it's, it's, it's very commendable. Yeah, it's a beautiful thank story. Thank you. So you basically came to Canada by yourself and then you sponsored your family? Into yes. Yeah. And an interesting story is that... Um, one year before graduating, we used to have companies like who would come to campus to meet the students, to interview them, and so on. So I got interviewed at that time by Nortel Telecom. And mm -hmm. one year prior to graduating, they gave me a job offer. Oh. And in order to sponsor seven members of my family, I needed to make $27,500. Wow. Okay? We're talking mm -hmm. that's 1989. Yeah. Okay, so the first job that I got, they offered me 28000 So I was able, while I'm studying in my last year of mm -hmm. school, I was able to sponsor seven members of my family oh my because God. I had the job offer from Northell uh, Networks. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm so impressed by the work that you've done at such a young age. It's incredible. The fact that you also worked. Um, took your family into consideration and brought them to Canada and studied and you're in your final year, which is the most important year technically, is is just amazing. And I understand that this entire time your family was living while you were here, they were living 
in the civil war in Lebanon, during the civil war in Lebanon, and you felt a burden to help them immigrate. What did you have to do exactly? Well, um, because I was able to get that salary from Nortel, Mm -hmm. I was able to sponsor them. Because at that time, my father, because he had the supermarket, he had applied so many times to immigrate to Canada. And the ambassador knew him very well. Mm-hmm. And the ambassador told him, we've got the thickest file that we have in the embassy is the file of Bachun. So I don't believe that you're going to go. Because every time that you've got the bombardment, my dad would say, I'm not going to wait for a member of my family to die. Let's go. Yeah. But then as soon as it's quiet, my dad would say, what am I going to do taking seven members of my family to a place? Uh, I don't speak French. How am I going to support them and so on? And he will stay. Oh, everyone knows me in Lebanon. I'll stay. Oh, my God. So that's why the ambassador said to him, like, you know, we'll never give you, we'll never grant you your immigration papers mm-hmm. because you've applied like over seven times and you never went. Yeah. So the only option to bring them to Canada was if, their child, their daughter, like mm-hmm. or their son, would sponsor them. That was the only option then. Wow. Yeah. And when your father came to Canada, did he still have a hard time? As like the way he thought. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard. Well, I helped them. Like I like I helped them quite a bit. Like yeah. you know, I was here already. Um, I uh, rented an apartment. And um, another story, I went to um, buy some mattresses. I said, I'm not going to buy beds. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you know, we're eight in total. I'm yeah. just going to buy mattresses. So I went to a store and I'm negotiating for the price of the mattress. <laughs> and then he got upset at me. And then he says, what? So how many mattresses are you buying? And then I said, seven. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a good price. Wow. I mean, that's the power of negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. You always, you know what, when my dad does it, I'm like, oh my God, don't do it. Don't do it. But then it works. Well, you have seven members of the family, you're not buying one. So he did give me a very good price. Yeah. And I've heard you've never been a student activist in university. Well, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I would see like, uh, you know, the table of solidarity, Palestinian human rights organization, Mm -hmm. they would be here. I'd walk the other side. Really? Not at all. There was no interest whatsoever. Was it because, why was that for? I think maybe what my dad told me. Yeah. uh, I wasn't exposed to any of that in Lebanon. I was focused on my studies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you had a huge responsibility on your shoulders. You couldn't risk not taking your dad's advice and then something going wrong, right? But then the Janine massacre of 2002, when you were in your mid-30s, forced a dramatic change on you. What happened to yeah. make you an activist for Palestinian human rights? Well, what happened is that, um, you know, like you said, I was a professional. I had like an amazing career. Mm-hmm. I was a project management manager. Uh, I was, I had over 35 people working for me, um, you know, implementing large human resources and payroll systems. Mm -hmm. And then at that time, any articles that were of interest, I would print them and take them to bed with me. It's not Mm -hmm. like now where we take our phone and read everything (laughs) over our phone. And I'll never forget how I read the story of Kamal Zuhair. Kamal Zuhair, he is a paraplegic man handicapped in a wheelchair okay Mm -hmm. and he was holding a white flag 
and the Israeli tank rolled over him. Oh my God. When this happened, when I read that, and mm-hmm. I remember clearly my husband was there in the room and I said, Tom, I can't believe this is happening to my people. Mm-hmm. And we were sponsoring a couple of children with World Vision. Yeah. And then I started saying, okay, let's find out like what, what organizations are doing. Are there Palestinian children out there that we can sponsor? Um, what are the different humanitarian organizations? Who's helping the Palestinians? Who's doing what? And then I reached out to World Vision. Mm-hmm. And I asked them if they have any Palestinian children. And then I said, give me 50 Palestinian children to sponsor. Wow. I invited all kinds of people over at my house. Anyone who, and my, my, my circle was mostly like English Canadian folks. So I invited anyone who referred, like who's interested in the Palestinian cause, just like come over. Mm-hmm. And then I would tell them, look, can you sponsor a child? It's only $30 a month. Can you sponsor one? Can you sponsor two? Can you sponsor? I ended up sponsoring, getting close to third, um, close to 50 Palestinian children sponsored by World Vision. Wow. And then we use that to put pressure on World Vision to say, okay, what else are you doing? Mm -hmm. But then we found out, we decided to go to different organizations. Like we Mm -hmm. went to Oxfam, we went to uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, um, uh, Doctors Without Borders, Mm -hmm. Uh, we went to World Vision, We went to many organizations and said, look, you tell us what, you tell us what kind of projects are there, what are the Palestinians' needs right now, Mm -hmm. and we will do the fundraising. Mm -hmm. And then World Vision, their director of advocacy and the VP of public relations came over from Toronto to our home. Mm-hmm. proposed to us some projects at noon okay mm-hmm. the first project it was to uh, sort of sponsor chicken oh the second project was uh, the project of uh, Bani Naim it's just south of um, um, Bethlehem mm-hmm. sorry south of Hebron the first project was south of Hebron and there you had uh, they had a clinic they had the doctors but they did not have the equipment that they needed. Mm-hmm. And that year, we're talking 2002, 17 women gave birth at the checkpoint oh and God. seven oh of the God. kids, of the babies died. Oh my God. And I was pregnant myself mm-hmm. with my third boy. Um, so that probably hit and close, that, to close to home. Exactly. And I said to them, how much? They said 100,000. My colleague next to me, she said in Arabic, uh, like, are you crazy, Grace? Mm-hmm. No one gives, f- no one, um, like maximum if we were to get would be 5,000. Are you crazy? I didn't even listen to her. I looked at the World Vision guys and I said, we're doing it. We'll wow. go for that project, 1,000. That evening, we had over 30 people in our home. And in front of everyone, I said, tonight, together, we're going to make a tangible difference for the people of Nahalin. Uh, sorry, of Bani Naim. Mm-hmm. Tonight, together, we're going to make 
a big difference for the people of Bani Naim. Nahalin was the second project. So we did that first yeah. project. And within three months, we raised 120,000. Oh my God. And then we did another project and we raised another 120,000. Then we did another project. So but that was after, just literally you on your own with a bunch of other people. It was me. It was, I recruited Tom. I recruited other people. Yeah. And you know, when you start doing things, you start meeting other people like you who have the yeah. same interests. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with an amazing group of close like to 20 people. And mm-hmm. we were the ones organizing, selling tickets, uh, fundraising, doing everything together. And um, our first gala we had over 400 people in attendance wow prior to the gala we raised 80,000 at the gala we raised 25 uh, 25,000 from the tickets and another 20,000 donations wait so that was before or after the launch of CJP me that was before before so we started as a humanitarian organization. Mm-hmm. So we started because we wanted to help out. We saw yeah. the need, we saw the people suffering. We said we're here, we're blessed. Mm-hmm. We're living in Canada uh, and all of us are professionals. Yeah. We all had like very good careers. We want to make a difference. We want to help out. So we started as, uh, and the name we called our organization, Sowers of Hope, Sowing Hope. Oh, I hope. like that. Mm-hmm. So we started by sowing hope and by focusing on fundraising. Mm-hmm. Okay. But after doing few fundraising, we felt we could empty our pockets. Mm-hmm. And the second day, Israel con- could bomb it all. And we're here, we're Canadians. Mm-hmm. What we need to do, we need to inform Canadians of the situation. Yeah. We need to influence the media. We need to influence members of parliament. Right. We need to influence the public. Mm-hmm. And inform them and empower them with tools, with information, so they understand what's going on. Yeah. And it really started in our house. So where once a month, we started doing uh, getting informed meetings mm-hmm. where we'd invite people and Tom would prepare all kinds of presentations and fact sheets. Okay. And the objective okay. was focus on facts. Mm-hmm. No one is going to attack you yeah. if you just mention facts. And that's how uh, CJPME was launched. I did not know that. I mean, I knew there was a bunch of people who came together and created it, but I did not know this all went behind the scenes of creating CJPME. That's a beautiful story. So you guys basically were like, we want to do change in Palestine, but we want to do change in Canada as well. Doing change there isn't just enough. Well, it was a progression. You know, Martin Luther King has a uh, quotation that says, Take the first step, even though you don't see the whole staircase. Mm-hmm. If you were to tell me 20 years ago that this is what we, this would have been the journey, I would have never, ever believed you. Yeah. Because I always saw myself as a career woman. I never, mm-hmm. ever thought of myself as an advocate, as co-founding a couple of mm-hmm. not-for-profit organizations. Yeah. Okay. But you did but take the we first, took step. The first step. We took the first step. We met some amazing people. We made a difference. Then you take the second one. Then you take the third one. And look at now, CGPME, you know, presence all over Canada, hundreds of thousands of followers, be it via email or social media. Yeah. That's a powerful story. And you guys are doing a remarkable job today. Thank you. With all that you do. 
And for you, what was unique about CJPME and what it wanted to accomplish at the time? I think what was really unique, and I have to say that um, the current president of uh, CJPME is Thomas Woodley. Mm-hmm. And Tom, he's got um, he's got a couple of masters, uh, but he is someone who is extremely factual. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing writer, extremely factual, and he enabled CGPME to really focus on facts. Mm-hmm. It's not oh, this is what my dad told me, or this is what I heard, or this is what happened. Yeah, and that's why we have so much credibility in Parliament. Whenever I'd go to Parliament, I would have ministers who would say to me, "Grace, we meet with you over and over because you are all the time extremely equipped, extremely professional, mm-hmm. extremely credible." And we look twenty years like not once we were challenged regarding any of the, you know, the fact mm-hmm. sheets or the documentation that we put out. So really what makes it unique, it's the, you know, the professionalism. Yeah. Everything that we do, we do it with excellence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people involved were all like career people. We're yeah. all like, you know, Tom was an executive consultant. I was like a project manager with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lots of uh, managerial experience. So we brought all of our professional skills mm-hmm. to the work. Yeah. And I think that's what made a huge difference. And that's really what makes CJPME really stand out amongst many other organizations. And yeah, I believe this, so. Yeah. And through CJPME and the CJPME Foundation, you're a leader in Palestine human rights advocacy in Canada for 20 years. Can you give me two high inspirational quotes that you share from that experience? Oh, yeah. There are so many quotes. There are so <laughs> many quotes. I really like uh, Martin Luther King yeah, a lot. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I like uh, one of my um, earlier um, quotes that I used a lot was, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Mm -hmm. That's very true. So there are things that matter and we just cannot be silent Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's like we're sort of dead. Yeah. So our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. Um, There is another one um, that I really like that says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. Mm -hmm. And I will not let what I cannot do stop me from doing what I can do. I love that. And that relates a lot to the the start of CJPME. Exactly. Exactly. Just do what you can. And often I say to people, and you know, when we started, we used to say uh, to folks, um, in any way you could contribute. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got skills, you've got talents, you've got money, you've got connections, you've got whatever it is, you know, everyone is different. Everyone has his own strengths. Mm-hmm. So just give it all. And um, we used to call it, you know, give your life, mm-hmm. give your life, you know, give your labor, yeah. give your influence, give F for financials, E for energy. We say, give your life, whatever mm-hmm. works in that L-I-F-E. You know, your labor, your influence, your financials, your expertise, just give it. Give Give it and make a difference. 
that's that's a, that's a really nice way to look at it. I mean, relating it back to life because that's the life you're living and also exactly. giving back. Yeah, and everyone is at a different stage. Like some people would say to me, Grace, you guys are doing an amazing job. I cannot mm -hmm. do what uh, what you're doing, but I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, I just want to support you. Mm -hmm. Other people would say, do you know what? I'm a student. I don't have much money, but I'll be, you know, I'll be more than willing to volunteer. Yeah. Other people would say, do you know what? I've got a nice circle of friends and I'd like to invite you over and I'd like to introduce you mm -hmm. to other people. I want them to know about your work. And that's why we say, you know, everyone has something to give, huh? but, exactly. but, but give, contribute in any way you can to the mm -hmm. cause. Yeah. And in 2017, you felt a call to return back to the corporate world and resign from your responsibilities from CJP Me. What compelled you to move into that direction? I mean, you are very, as I can tell, you are still very passionate about Oh, yeah. It's, it's in my blood. Yeah. It's, it's really, like, it's in my blood. Like, I care mm -hmm. so much and it really bothers me. Uh, so much what's going on. Yeah. And I feel a responsibility to ensure that the work is going to continue and the work continue to be sustained yeah. for the long term. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, after 17 years of like sacrificing, because it's a lot of sacrifice, mm -hmm. uh, the not-for-profit world, it's not an easy world. Working on the Palestinian issues, it's not easy. Yeah. At the same time, my husband left his full-time job and he you know, he's right now leading CJPME full time. So I really felt we needed like sort of a change. And as well, I have a great opportunity to go back to the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And like my son told me, mommy, go make money and give to CJPME. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. So I'm making money <laughs> and I'm giving that. to CJPME. <laughs> and we've got CGPME a great leader from another direction. Absolutely. I continue yeah. to support. I continue to support financially. I continue yeah. to support in any way uh, I can because I care so much about the work. Plus, we've got some amazing, amazing leadership, like the best that you could have, mm -hmm. you know, with the current president, uh, you know, Tom Woodley, like he's doing just an amazing job. You've yeah, got, uh, you've got uh, Michael Bookert, who's, uh, you know, he's got a PhD. Yeah, and he's working as, you know, VP of media relations at CGPME. Mm -hmm. We've got you, Noor, and we've got, you know, <laughs> other uh, couple of Madeline. people who are joining as well. Yeah. So, you know, so we've got a good team in place, which is, yeah. which is amazing. Thankful, yes. And can you give me, before we end this, can you give me some advice for Palestinian Canadians today about how to make a difference for, for Palestine and the Palestinian human rights? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just uh, thought about it, another quote that I heard, which is like, you Please know, share, yeah. just show up, you know, like just mm -hmm. show up, speak up. Um, like it's just so important to not be afraid to say who we are. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. You know, being a Palestinian, like I'm proud to say I am a Palestinian. Exactly. And that gives me an opportunity. People would ask, so what's happening? What's going on? Because most people don't know about the history. Don't mm -hmm. know how 800,000 people have been like um, expelled from their land and it continues. It's not that it happened only in 1948. Every single happened. day, yeah. every single day. Like uh, sometimes I feel, you know, every single day there are hundreds of George Floyd on the streets yeah. of Palestine who are saying, really? I cannot breathe. Mm -hmm. So the injustice is 
keeps going on. The settlement keeps going on. The brutal occupation keeps going on. Mm -hmm. The expansion keeps going on. And, you know, like this is not right. So I want to live my life feeling that I'm contributing and I'm trying to make a difference. I feel, of course. you know, I need to do whatever I can do. But imagine if every single person, sometimes people say, what can I do? And they say, do you know what? Just share. If you're not good, like at writing or whatever it is, you know, yeah. just make sure you follow. Literally it, spread the me. word. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Be it on Twitter, be it on Facebook, be, be it on uh, uh, Instagram, yeah. be it, uh, you know, on email, whatever it is, get other people to know. Mm -hmm. We have, hundreds of fact sheets just take a fact sheet about the history of palestine just share it mm -hmm. you know and stick to the facts just stick to the facts don't don't uh, you know uh, the truth is on our side the truth so is just stick yeah. stick stick to the facts just talk about the facts yeah so and i would say just speak up and why is it important specifically for canadians or palestinian canadians to speak up about for Palestinian freedom and human rights? Well, do you know, when I, um, so many times in, uh, as a meeting members of mm -hmm. parliament, they would, so many times, so many MPs would say to me, you're the first group who ever came to me to talk to me about Palestine. Wow. Okay. Others would say to me, oh, I'm not sure if uh, anyone in my riding, in my uh, constituents cares about this issue. And I would say, look, in your writing, you've got that many percentage of, you know, Arabs or Muslims or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And most of them do care very much about this issue. But then it's like, well, no one talked to me about it. Yeah. So if we care about something. Speak up about it. Speak up Use about it. And not only if we care, not only if we care, we should care because people are suffering. Yeah. People are suffering. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Um, like when I lived in Palestine, I never really spoke up about what's going on because I thought it was normal. But when I came to Canada, I really, I realized that home is where the heart is. And truly, I have the opportunity to have the freedom of free speech here in Canada. So might as well yeah. use my platform in any way I can, even if I don't have a big platform. Just talk about it as much as possible. Share with the Canadian people out there that don't know anything about it because there's some people who know about the Palestinian cause and stand for Palestine. There's some people who know about the Palestinian cause and stand with Israel. And there's a lot of people in the middle that don't know anything. And it's just... Yeah, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't know anything. I'm Palestinian, born mm -hmm. in Lebanon, but I did not know anything because my parents suffered so much and they mm -hmm. didn't want to share it. Okay, so, and this is not something that you're being taught anywhere. It's not being yeah. taught in the history books or anywhere. And that's why we established Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East, because the mission is to empower Canadians of all backgrounds mm -hmm. to promote justice, development, and peace. And it all starts with awareness. It mm -hmm. all starts with information. And the more you know... The more you're informed, you're able to follow what's going on and what's happening. Exactly. And the more you can help out. And the more and the more informed you are, the more certain things will trigger a change of heart. Yeah. Like for me, I was not involved whatsoever, mm -hmm. even though my parents are from there. But then what happened? Someone shared the story with me. 
about Kamal Zuhair, mm-hmm. who was crushed by an Israeli tank. Yeah. I wonder if that person did not share that story with me, if CGPME would have been would have, here. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why like, our role is to share the information. Exactly. And then there are certain things that will speak to people. Mm-hmm. and will trigger a change of heart or it will just expose them to what's going on and to the history of Palestine. Yeah, like the mere fact that that person shared that story with you created everything that CJPM is all about. So imagine that yeah. one share, what it can do to anybody out there. So never exactly. never think that, that's, that one share won't do anything. Yeah. Like as people say, every yeah. vote counts, every share counts as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, Grace, it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast. You are an amazing guest and you're a powerful, powerful woman. I admire all that you do so much for CJP Me, for everything that you've done in your history, your background, for your family. Everything that you've done is Thank just commendable. And I'm so Thank glad you. I to have you on here. Well, if you've listened this part into the podcast, well, good for you. You're slowly diving into the realm of all things Palestinian Canadian. If you enjoyed listening to us speak about different topics regarding Palestine and Canada, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. If you have suggestions for a future podcast episode, also let us know. This podcast is a project of Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East, CJPME, and seeks to advance its mission to empower Canadians of all backgrounds to promote justice, development, and peace in the Middle East. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast or our topics, please feel free to email us at atpc at cjpme.org. Thanks to all our supporters who helped to make this podcast and all CJPME's other activities possible. Well, I hate to leave you guys, but this is it for now. You will hear from us in our next episode. Bye.